But we're going to do our week four predictions on Friday, bro. I don't really plan to talk about the Jets and Broncos. <laughs> Listen, then I, when we go up our ad line for the show, then I say, like, who played tomorrow? I actually forgot. I completely forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Like, NFL, if you're going to give us one week game, the next week, give us a nice, solid matchup, okay? Give us, yeah. give us something solid. Don't just give us no damn Broncos and Jets. We just came off of the we just came off. We just came out of the Dolphins. We just came off the Dolphins and the Jags last week. Now you give us Jets Broncos? Come on. Look, in the in the Broncos, they like to make a third string quarterback and Sam Darnold out of the gates they're struggling real bad. So it might be a good game. Man. And man, you gotta remember, I just I just I'm fresh off watching Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. You know, ball out on Sunday night football and then seeing Patrick Mahomes put on that masterpiece performance on Monday night against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, which we're going to talk about that here in a bit. And now on Thursday, the NFL is going to give me the Jets and the Broncos. Are you kidding me? Whatever. Okay. All right. If, if, if you say so, Roger Goodell, if you say so. But let's start off, Clarence. In the NBA, as the 2020 NBA Finals opens up tonight, we got game one between the Miami Heat and the L.A. Lakers. This is the third time in the, in the NBA Finals that LeBron James has been favored. The Lakers have a 67% chance to win the NBA Finals over the Miami Heat. So far in the playoffs, clearance, both of these teams are 12-3, and three, you know, in the postseason. So let's open it up, bro. Let's talk about this NBA Finals. Game one tonight, 2020, NBA Finals. In the bubble, look, Clarence, I, I want to say this before we get into it. I am sad that we're not going to have the NBA Finals in L.A., in Miami. I, I, I'm sad, bro. I'm disappointed because yeah. it was going to be an amazing Finals, man, going from the East Coast in Miami and South Beach and Ocean Drive and going to the West Coast and Rodale Drive and, you know, and, and Hollywood and the beach. Oh, it would have been a great, great <laughs> NBA Finals to cover. But give me your keys to this series, bro, like as we as we open it up. Like, what's your keys to the series? I think, man, I, I got three good keys for both teams. But I want to start off with the Miami Heat. I think one of their keys is they, they have to continue to play their zone defense because it was affected when they was playing against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics, and they basically caused a lot of turnovers. And they got a lot of steals in, in that zone play. So I think in that in this particular series, they have to use the zone enough to slow down LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. And I think... Another thing they got to rely on is the, the consistent three-point shooting because that's something that's what they play they play through. They play through a three-point shooting scheme that a lot of shooters get open. They get they get a lot of shooters open and give them open space and good looks. So I think they gotta they gotta, in my opinion, rely rely relieve like basically relieve on the rely on the uh, the three-point shooting. Because I think if they make a lot of three-point shots, they can run away one of one of these games and. You know, this is the obvious choice. You got to slow down LeBron James and AD. Look, I think this right here is a good matchup on both sides of the floor because you have a lot of players, like not a lot, but you have three good players that can guard LeBron. Not all game, but some game you can throw at him, rotate. I think you have to you have to slow him down. Don't let him get into a rhythm and make Anthony Davis lead the team. You got like make Anthony Davis be the number one option on yeah. the team, like, oh, AD, what, what are we doing? Nah, because usually LeBron is the balance of the team. They make AD decide if he's going to be that leader or not. And for the Los Angeles Lakers, though, I always, I just said, 
fans of mismatch during the games because you know you're gonna have mismatch during the games. Like you, you might have Duncan Robinson guarding LeBron one day, one game. You might see Jay Crowder guarding Anthony Davis. Like find the mismatches during the game, so they'll be easy shots. And my other one, get in the groove early because you know the Lakers, they're 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 always now starting off good. They not always don't start off. They don't start fast. They start real slow. But I think when you're playing against a young young energy defensive team in Miami, get in a groove early so you can catch them off guard. And last but not least, um, observe their gameplay. Like, see what see what they throw at you. See what they give you. And see, can you counter their gameplay? And once you counter their gameplay, that's the that's delta you get in a groove early. Get in a groove early. And I think, Trey, we, we, in, we, in, we in sight for a great matchup tonight. And I think if this all goes just come down to the superstars come showing up, but this is gonna be a great series tonight, man. Okay, the key for me is let's start off with the Miami Heat. The key for me is going to be can Bam out of Bayou dominate the NBA finals for the Miami Heat to have a chance? Because in the Eastern Conference Finals clearance, the Boston Celtics, they made Bam out of Bayou look like the second coming of Hakeem Lajuan. I mean, his brother was getting dunks everywhere. I mean, he was hitting mid-range shots, teardrops. You know, Eric Spoelstra, he put the ball in Bam's hands, and Bam was actually passing the basketball out to shooters like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Gordon Dragic. They was hitting shots, you know, on the perimeter. So Bam out of Bayou did a great job in the Eastern Conference Finals, establishing himself as the best big man in the series, and he completely dominated his matchup with Daniel Tice. And honestly, I, I believe Bam out of Bayou was the best player on the floor in the entire Eastern Conference Finals. I think he completely dominated that series against the Boston Celtics. And I think in order for the Miami Heat to have any chance of upsetting the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals, I think they need a big-time series from Bam out of Bayou because the thing is, the Lakers, they have the bigs to match up with Bam. They got Dwight Howard. They got Anthony Davis. They got JaVale McGee. They got LeBron James. LeBron James is almost the same height as Bam out of Bayou, for crying out loud. Like, the Lakers are significantly you know, bigger team, you know, in this NBA Finals. Like, I think Bam has to dominate for the Miami Heat to have any chance. If Bam gets into foul trouble, if Bam has a bad series, I think the Lakers can possibly end the Miami Heat in four or five games because I don't think the Miami Heat can, can you know, off, you know, hold LeBron James and Anthony Davis coming at them. I don't think they're going to be able to stay in the series because they just don't have the size. They don't have the size to keep up. With the Lakers. So if Bam gets in a foul trouble or has a bad series, the Miami could be in trouble. For the Lakers, the keys for me is going to be can KCP, Kuzma, Morris, can Danny Green hit perimeter shots? They have to be able to hit perimeter shots at an elite rate because I'm going to tell you something right now, Clarence. A wild card in this series is going to be which team hits the three point shot better. Because I believe the Miami Heat, they have the horses to hit the perimeter shot. They got Tyler Hero, you know, who averaged, you know, so far in the playoffs. Tyler Hero's averaged 17 points per game. You know, he had like a 37-point game in the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals against the Celtics. Tyler Hero can hit the perimeter shot. Duncan Robinson, he can come in and hit the perimeter shot as well at an elite rate. He is a specialist, okay? Duncan Robinson can hit three-point shots at an elite clip. Also, Jay Crowder, if he can get out of his shoe slump, he can contribute you know, from the perimeter as far as being able to hit shots. So if the Miami Heat start hitting perimeter shots, you know, with their shooters, then the Lakers could be in trouble because we've seen the Lakers have inconsistent 
perimeter shooting at times in the playoffs, Clarence, KCP, Danny Green, Morris, Kuzma, they've struggled shooting a three-point shot, you know, so far in these playoffs at times. They haven't always been consistent. I tell you who have been consistent, though, shooting a three-point shot, and it's shot over 45% from three-point range. That's playoff Rondo. Okay, we talked about, you know, during this season, who's going to be that third consistent score for the Lakers? It wasn't Kyle Kuzma. It wasn't KCP. It's been playoff Rondo, who's had a major impact on the Lakers' success since he's returned back from this injury. So I think those are the two keys for the two teams for me. For the Heat is going to be, can Bam out of Bayou, you know, contribute like he did in the Eastern Conference Finals? And can he have a major impact on whether or not the Heat win or lose? And for the Lakers, can KCP? Danny Green, Morris, and Kuzma, and Kuzma as well. You can throw him in there. Can they hit perimeter shots? Those are the two keys for the two teams for me. But I want to also talk about, before we get to our next question, I want to talk about the, 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 the each team's, you know, what they're motivated for in this finals. Like, when it comes to LeBron James, listen, we know LeBron James is chasing MJ. Let's call it what it is. And if LeBron James could add another championship on his resume, he gets one step closer to being the GOAT. I still think Kobe and MJ are better than LeBron overall, in my opinion. But I will admit, Clarence, if LeBron James can find a way to win the NBA Finals this season for the Lakers, I think I'm, we got to start really evaluating whether or not LeBron James truly is the GOAT. Like, I'm not one of those people that feel like, oh, it's Jordan, no questions asked, let's not even talk about it. No, this is a, these are ongoing conversations, okay? These are ongoing conversations. But I will admit, like, LeBron James, if he loses these NBA Finals, to the Miami Heat, it could be a huge, huge stain on his Hall of Fame resume, Clarence, because the Miami Heat, coming into the season, they had a 75-1 to 1 odds to win the NBA championship. I believe it might have been to make the NBA finals, like to make it. They had a 75-1 to 1 odds to even make the NBA finals, okay? Although we believe that Jimmy Butler is starting to creep his way into that superstar conversation, we don't look at Jimmy Butler like we look at Kawhi Leonard. We don't look at Jimmy Butler like we look at Anthony Davis. We don't view Jimmy Butler like we look at Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. If LeBron James lose in the NBA Finals this year to a Pat Riley Miami Heat team, and we know Pat Riley is motivated because I think Pat Riley still has a sour taste in his mouth clearance from when LeBron James departed South Beach and came back home to Cleveland. You know, I, they said that Miami and, and, and LeBron, you know, that relationship was kind of fractured when LeBron left Miami. Like, I don't think Pat Riley was prepared for LeBron to leave and go home. So make no mistake about it. There are motivations from both of these sides. Like, Pat Riley wants to win another championship, and he wants to do it without LeBron James. And it, and it would feel even better if he does it against LeBron James. And LeBron James also wants to win another championship so he can add to his legacy, so we can, we can continue to talk about him being in that GOAT conversation with Michael Jordan. So we got two teams that are both motivated, and I'm excited to watch this NBA Finals, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic to watch this tonight. Like, I want to see, I actually want to see, can this great Miami defensive team can play up against this uh, two-headed, this dynamic duo in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, it gives you something to discuss, like, because you, you like, because I've been reading statistics, like, Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala are the best defenders that's guarding uh, LeBron James. Respectfully, LeBron James averaged 31-12-9 against Iggy and 25-9-5 against Jimmy Butler. So I, I probably can second guess uh, who who really guard LeBron James the best. But 
it, to me, it just seemed like LeBron still get his going. But for this series, though, like, I want to really, I really want to see is Danny Green going to step up in this NBA Finals because he's been in this situation numerous of times. And I want to see if he go shoot a lot of threes. And like, like you said, I definitely agree with you on, on what you said, which team is going to make the most threes. Because that should determine, that's, that's probably going to determine who's going to win this series. Because whoever's shooting the most threes is likely going to win the series. But it would be a big problem, a big problem, Trey, if the, if the L.A. Lakers is shooting the three better than the Miami Heat. Because Miami T is a good three-point shooting team, and L.A. Lakers, they're not. Yeah. So it'll be it'll, it'll look crazy if the Miami Heat is getting beaten bad their, at their own game. It's three point play, like three point shooting. Yeah, yeah. And, and and honestly too though, this NBA Finals reminds me of the 2004 NBA Finals, I believe, when it was the Detroit Pistons going up yeah. against the Lakers when it was Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. And you know, usually in NBA history, usually whichever team has the two best players. In the finals, you know, that team usually wins. When it was the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, Kobe Shaq Lakers mostly always won in the NBA finals. Like they won back to back to back NBA championships because they had Kobe and Shaq. We saw D Wade and LeBron win two championships with the Miami Heat. You know, we saw Kevin Durant and Steph Curry of late win a championship. So when you normally have the two best players in the series, like the like the Lakers have. In this finals, normally your team comes out on top. That's what history has shown us, you know, in the NBA finals. You know, even dating back to, you know, Magic and Kareem. You know, like, whenever you have the two best players, normally that team wins. But you do have those outliers, Clarence. Every now and then, where those teams who are balanced win the NBA championship. And that's what happened in the 2004 NBA finals. If you remember, the Pistons had Chauncey Big Shot Billups. They had Richard Hamilton. They had... Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, they had Tayshaun Prince. You know, they had a balanced squad. And when I look at this Miami Heat team, this Miami Heat team reminds me, Clarence, of that Detroit Pistons team. Like, Jimmy Butler, he is the best player on the team. But for the most part, this team is a balanced basketball team. Let me give you some of these statistical numbers so far in the playoffs for the Miami Heat. Goran Dragic, he's averaged 21 points per game. Jimmy Butler's averaged 21 points per game. Bam's average 19 points per game. Tyler Hero's average 17 points per game. So they have a balanced scoring attack that they use to win basketball games. This team remi reminds me of the Detroit Pistons when they won their championship over Kobe and Shaq's Lakers, although there was some drama, you know, from that Lakers locker room that particular season. I don't know if you remember, Clarence, but Kobe and Shaq was feuding. They was arguing. It was beef. It was beef. It was just bad. But this Miami Heat team reminds me of that Detroit Pistons team, they're a balanced squad. And every now and then, a balanced team like the Miami Heat can upset a team like the Lakers who have a two-headed monster like Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So we got to see what's going to happen. We, we, we gotta, we're going to see. But all of these players from Miami Heat have to contribute. They won't have any chance at winning this finals. Let's move on to the next question, you know, in this segment. Jimmy Butler stated the Miami Heat are not the underdogs in this finals. Do you agree or disagree with Jimmy Butler's statement? First of all, I like the competitiveness that Jimmy Butler stated out in the media. That's, he's showing that he's a true competitor in, in his basketball in the NBA. But I will definitely disagree because I feel like when you're going up against LeBron James, like when you're playing against LeBron James, like, like you have to bring your, your all. You have to bring your all. And, and believe it or not, they're favored to win this, the, the, the L.A. Lakers. 
they're favored by a big percentage and you have to disrupt and destroy that percentage to, 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 to change all the odds. And him and AD is like a dominant force. They're, they're dominant together, Trey. And that right there is greater than what the Miami Heat is, have going right now, in my opinion. So I, 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 I disagree with Jimmy Butler. I think like they're, they're underdogs in this situation because it's your first time ever in the finals. Y'all never really been in this situation ever, for real. Andre Iguodala and Yodonis Haslam is your only one that have championship championship pedigree. So it's good to have it's good to have that uh, confidence in yourself. But being realistic, they're definitely the underdogs in this game, man. Yeah, they underdogs. I don't know what the hell Jimmy Butler's talking about. I love Jimmy Butler. He's done a great job leading this Miami Heat team to the championship. During the regular season, the Miami Heat, they were fifth in the Eastern Conference with a 44-29 and 29 record. The Lakers led the way, Clarence, in the Western Conference with a 52-19 and 19 record. They were the best team in the Western Conference. They were number one seed entering the NBA playoffs. So the Lakers are the favorites in this series, and the Miami Heat are big-time underdogs going up against Anthony Davis and LeBron James Lakers. So I completely disagree with Jimmy Butler there. We don't have to spend too much time talking about this particular Topic in this segment, Clarence, because Jimmy Butler is way off here. But I will say this. Jimmy Butler, honestly, I think he's just playing mind trick games on the media. He knows they're underdogs. I think they are embracing this underdog role, you know, quietly, though, in their locker room. They're embracing this underdog role, you know, in their locker room. And I think they're using it as bulletin board material that can help them in this series. So I don't believe him when he says like that he believes that the Miami Heat aren't underdogs. But I do believe he's playing mind games with the media. And secretly, the Miami Heat, in their locker room, they're using this as motivation. And they're embracing this underdog role because they've really been underdogs, you know, so far in these last two playoff series. Clarence, I mean, against the, Miami, the Milwaukee Bucks, most people, including yourself, had Giannis and Middleton beating the Miami Heat in the second round. And then Vegas had the Boston Celtics and me had the Boston Celtics favorite mm-hmm. over the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Every time I looked at the odds, the Vegas had the Boston Celtics favorite over the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat has been underdogs, you know, this entire playoff run that they've yeah. been on since they've beaten the Indiana Pacers in round one. And it's funny now that we look back. Remember, when we picked the Pacers Heat Series, we had it going seven. Remember we said, like, oh, this is going seven. Like, now we see how much of a mismatch that was. Like, Miami was by far the better team. But <laughs> nevertheless... Nevertheless, they are the underdogs in this series. The Lakers are the overwhelming favorites. But next question, which coach has the most pressure on their shoulders? Is it Frank Vogel or is it Eric Spolstra? Believe it or not, I think Eric Spolstra has the most pressure because he got to wheel his team into this playoffs, and he has to be the coach that he, he was when LeBron was there. He has to give them... He has to give them uh, speeches after speeches after speeches and game plans after game plans. Like, he has to understand who he's going up against and how he's going to counter that, that that dynamic duo in, in L.A. that LeBron and A.D. have. And for Eric Spolcher, he knows they're underdogs, and he knows that he has the coaching advantage over Frank Vogel because I, I, I choose him over Frank Vogel any day because he has championship pedigree. But Eric Spoelstra, I think he has he, he has the most pressure because he has the team that that's that's currently the underdogs, and he has to coach them up in order to win this finals, man. 
completely disagree with you, sir. You're wrong here. How in the hell does Eric Spolster have the most pressure on him? And his team is the underdogs. Eric Spolster is playing with house money, just like the Miami Heat are playing <laughs> with house money. Frank Vogel has the most pressure on him, Clarence, because he's coaching a LeBron James-led team. And we know if the Lakers come up short and they lose to the Miami Heat, Although LeBron James will get some of that blame, Anthony Davis will also get some of that blame. You yeah. know LeBron fans are going to also blame Frank Vogel, okay? We know Frank Vogel is going to get some of that blame on that, on that pie, man. We know it because you know it has to be someone else. It can't be LeBron, okay? It can't be LeBron. It got to be Anthony Davis. It got to be the shooters like Kuzma and, and, and KCP and, and Morris. It can't be LeBron James. Then it got to be the coach. It'll go to the coaching staff, so... Someone is going to blame Frank Vogel if the Lakers get upset by the Miami Heat. Therefore, I believe the more pressure, you know, is on Frank Vogel, even more so than Eric Spolster. Although I will say, I think Eric Spolster is a better coach between the two. You know, these two coaches went up against each other when LeBron was in Miami. You know, LeBron was playing for Eric Spolster at the time, and Frank Vogel was coaching the Indiana Pacers with Paul George and West and Hibbert. You know, that's so these coaches have went up against each other in the past, but I think the Lakers head coach, Frank Vogel, has more pressure on him than Eric Spoelstra simply because he has LeBron James on his team. And what comes with LeBron James when he's on your team is expectations. And we know the Miami Heat, they are the underdogs in this series. They're playing with house money. They already overachieved, okay? The Lakers, their goals when they entered this season were to be NBA champions. So here we are now with the NBA Finals, you know, on the line. Let's see if the Lakers and Frank Vogel get, can get it done. And it's kind of weird, though, because, like you said, they were playing each other in the conference finals in 2012 and 13, and you're just thinking, like, I wonder what was going through Frank Vogel's mind when he's like, wow, I'm, I'm, coaching, I'm coaching LeBron James, and I was just playing against this guy years ago. So it's probably ecstatic in his mind, and now he feel like, I got the greatest player of all time on my team, so I have to I have to coach him the right way. So yeah. Give Who wins game one? See, just tonight, just tonight, just just give me the winner of tonight. I got the Lakers winning game one. I think they set the tone in this series, and whatever Miami Heat throw at them, I think the uh, Lakers can counter that real good because they got they got enough uh, versatile defenders on their team that can. That can play up to their speed. So I got the Lakers winning this game in a good, a good fashion beatdown. 110 to 102. Okay, so you got the Lakers winning tonight. This was tough for me. This was tough for me. I'm going to roll with the Miami Heat with the upset because I believe that this series has any chance. Yes, I believe this series has any chance of going the distance. The Miami Heat got to win the night clearance. They have to win game one. They have to steal game one. Most times in these NBA finals, the team you know, that steals game one, the the series will go the distance, you know? Most yeah. times in the NBA playoffs in general, if the series is going to go the distance, you have to steal game one. I remember in the 2000 NBA Finals when Allen Iverson, who won an NBA MVP that particular season, going up yeah. against Kobe and Shaq's Lakers, you remember, AI balled out in game one for the Sixers, and they stole game one, you know, in Staples Center over Kobe and Shaq's Lakers. They end up losing the series, but when you win game one, it gives you a certain level of confidence heading into the rest of the series because now you know we can beat this team. I think for the Miami Heat to have any chance at upsetting the Lakers, they have to steal game one so they can have confidence the rest of these games 
the rest of this series. If they lose game one, it's a great chance they're going to lose game two, and this series could possibly be over sooner rather than later. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You just set the. I just feel like you just set the bar straight because you just compared that to Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was balling that game. Like yeah, but I was just saying. I was just saying to me, if you're the team that's the underdog, you want to win game one and steal game one. Don't you agree with that? You got to steal game one. Yeah. You set the tone. Like, yeah. Now, Terrence Clarence, it's prediction time. Time for our wise guys' predictions for the NBA Finals. Who wins the NBA Finals, Clarence, and how many games? And who is your NBA Finals MVP? You have the floor. Thank you, Trey. Well, this one is so hard to, to figure out and to understand. I have the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA Finals because, one, you don't bet against playoff LeBron, and two, they have a young guy that can score and guard and play defense on play both ends of the floor at Anthony Davis. And I think this playoffs right here is going to show you're going to see greatness from LeBron James. And you're going to see the upcoming rising superstar in Anthony Davis. I got the Los Angeles Lakers winning in six games against the Miami Heat. Who's your finals MVP? My finals MVP? I think my finals MVP will be LeBron James because he's, he balanced out that team as it is. And I think without him, they wouldn't be where they at. And I think he deserved the finals MVP. But if AD go lights out, he well deserved it. He will be well deserved. But if I had to choose, it's LeBron James. Man, I got to tell you, Clarence, I got a lot of respect for them, for them Miami Heat boys, man. I really do, man. Them brothers is the real deal from Dade County. I'm talking about Jimmy Butler, you know, the, the hardships that he endured, you know, coming up you know, through through his younger years, you know, going to the collegiate level, not being highly recruited, getting to the NBA, winning the NBA Most Improved Player Award in 2015, you know, going to the Sixers and helping them be better in the playoffs, you know, going to the Minnesota Timberwolves and demanding cars Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, you know, get better and take the game more serious. Now he's in Miami. He has the Miami Heat in a position to possibly win the NBA championship in his first season with the Miami Heat, I've been very impressed. I'm impressed with Bam out of Bayou, you know, 6'9", you know, playing in Kentucky. And he's been balling so far in these playoffs players. Like I said, against the Boston Celtics, he was the best player on the floor. Kendrick Nunn, he hasn't really played very much, you know, lately. You know, I think Eric Spolster has going to shorten up his rotation, but Kendrick Nunn could come in and shoot some perimeter shots. Tyler yeah. Hero, he, Tyler Hero was known as a walking bucket back in his you know, high school days. They said he was a they, they nicknamed him get a bucket or something. It was something like that. I get buckets. Highlights in high school. And dude yeah, was Tyler Hero. Yes, Tyler Hero is the real deal. He can shoot the lights out. Duncan Robinson is a shooting specialist. Okay. I don't think there's many players in the NBA that can shoot the three like Duncan Robinson. Jay Crowder, we know he can hit the perimeter shot. Also, he can defend as well. Andre Iguodala. Let's not forget about him. This is his sixth straight NBA finals appearance. You know, so the Miami Heat, I got so much respect for these boys, man. And they overachieved this season. But all great things do come to an end, Clarence. And the Miami Heat run have came to an end. I had the Los Angeles Lakers beating the Miami Heat in six games, just like you. I think the Lakers are going to beat the Heat in six games. But I will say, if Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Gordon Drogic hit some perimeter shots and they get hot and the Lakers are inconsistent, at hitting their perimeter shots. I think the Heat could steal a game, and we might see this series go to seven games. I know it's 
probably not going to happen. I know it's like probably like unthinkable, like, oh, there's no way in hell that's going to happen. I'm telling you, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Dragic can get hot. And we've seen the Lakers be inconsistent at shooting the three. If that happens, this series, my friend, could go seven games. But I got the Lakers in six. And in my NBA Finals MVP is going to be Anthony Davis. I think Anthony Davis was going to win his first Finals NBA MVP because I believe Anthony Davis has been playing at a high level so far in these playoffs for the Lakers clearance. And I think the layoff helped the Lakers and Anthony Davis the most, more so than any other team. Because we've seen Anthony Davis struggle to stay healthy in previous seasons when he was with the Pelicans. You know, this year in the playoffs, he has been healthy. And I think that's a part of the reason why the Lakers are four wins away from winning an NBA championship. It's because they're big man. Anthony Davis, a top five player in the NBA, has been healthy and he's been playing elite basketball. I think Anthony Davis is going to win the NBA MVP. I think the Lakers are going to win this series in six games. But I do believe this series is going to be competitive. I don't see the Lakers blowing out the Miami Heat by 20, 25 points. I think they're going to win this matchup, you know, in these games by maybe 10 points at the most. These games are going to be competitive. Make no mistake about it. Pat Riley is going to be motivating that Miami Heat squad along with Eric Spoelstra. Pat Riley wants this as bad as LeBron James wants this, Clarence. Okay? He wants this win badly. So I'm excited about it, but I got Lakers in six, and I got Anthony Davis winning NBA Finals MVP. It's going to be an exciting matchup tonight. It's going to be tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern on ABC. So we're going to be so excited watching this NBA Finals, man. For sure, man. Let's switch gears and get back to some NFL. As the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Baltimore Ravens 34-20 to 20 on Monday Night Football, Patrick Mahomes, he played great, Clarence. He went 31-42, to 42, threw for 385 passing yards, four touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 20 carries for 64 rushing yards. Travis Kelsey had six receptions, 87 receiving yards. For the Ravens, Lamar Jackson struggled again, Clarence. He had 15 of 28 passing, 97 passing yards. Nine carries for 83 yards, and J.K. Dobbins had four receptions, 35 yards. So, question for you, Clarence, is was the Monday night football game more about Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? To me, to me, I think this Monday night football game was more about Lamar Jackson in this situation, though, Trey, because I feel like Lamar, he wanted to set the tone, set the tone in the NFL, like, hey, the Ravens are the, the team to beat. This year, and they are the team that you that you should be feared of, that your team should be feared of. And yes. if he would have came, if he would have went on Monday Night Football and defeated Patrick Holmes at, at, at his house, that then we would have we would have been talking about. We probably had different conversations about this. And for the simple fact that he only had 97 passing yards, and he had two forced fumbles, and he got sacked two or three times. It's ridiculous. Like, that's something like, where's Lamar Jackson progressive at in the passing situation? See, people don't understand is when you play against Patrick Mahomes, he brings the he brings the competitiveness out of you. He wants you to beat him. He wants you to be the better quarterback than him. He don't want you relying on his defense, the defense to get a stop. He wants you to step up and beat him, actually beat him, though, Trey. And for Lamar Jackson, that's something that he has to do to even conquer being one of the best quarterbacks in this league. He's currently 3-0, I mean, 0-3 against Lamar Jackson. 
And before before he came into the seat that this game, he was 4-0 in prime time with, with 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. So he was great in prime time. But when he played against Patrick Mahomes, it's like all that gets thrown out the window because he's not a true, he's not a competitor. He's not a competitor at the quarterback position. And that's something that you question about, about his play. Can he get better in the passing game? Because they act, they honestly lack of number one receiver. Hollywood Brown is not the number one receiver on the team. He's something, he's the slot speedster. He's he's something that can get they can get off something real quick and fast. They are lacking a number one receiver. And I think that's hurting Lamar Jackson progression that he doesn't have a number one receiver to throw it downfield. And if he doesn't get that number one option sooner or later, I think Lamar Jackson reign could come to an end soon, like in a few years. Yeah, this is a debate show. We, this is Wise Guy Sports. We debate sports and we argue. But I agree with you completely here, Clarence, a thousand percent. This game was more about Lamar Jackson than it was about Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes, in the 2018 NFL season, Patrick Mahomes won an NFL MVP. He had 50 touchdowns. He only had 12 interceptions, had over 5,000 passing yards, and he was one offsides play away from being in the Super Bowl in 2018. And then let's fast forward to 2019. Last year, Patrick Mahomes, he had 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, you know, threw for over 4,000 passing yards, completed 66% of his passes, and he missed two games last year, Clarence. You remember he got injured. He missed two games last year. But he got to the playoffs, and he brought the Kansas City Chiefs back in every playoff game last year from deficits in the postseason. They were trailing against the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, you know, in the divisional round. He brought them back. In the AFC Championship game, going up against Derrick Henry and the Titans, he brought them back. And in the Super Bowl, going up against the number one defense in the NFL, trailing 20-10, to 10, I believe, heading into the fourth quarter, he brought the Kansas City Chiefs back and won a Super Bowl MVP. Patrick Mahomes has nothing else left to prove, okay? It's Lamar Jackson who has something else to prove, and he came up short on Monday night, Clarence. Coming into this matchup, we talked about the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Baltimore Ravens, two of the best teams in the AFC, and it was a complete letdown on Monday night football because of Lamar Jackson, okay? Lamar Jackson goes 15 of 28. And he only threw for 97 passing yards. He could even throw for over 100 yards passing, Clarence. Like, I'm glad that he admitted in the post-game press conference that the Kansas City Chiefs are his kryptonite because I'm going to give you some of these numbers. Going up against the Kansas City Chiefs so far in his career, Lamar Jackson is 0-3. He's 21-1 and against the rest of the NFL. His total QBR going up against the Kansas City Chiefs is 58 against the rest of the NFL is 72. His passing yards per game is 170. Going up against the rest of the NFL, 176. So he's completing 53% of his passes against the Chiefs. He's completing 67% of his passes against the rest of the NFL. So for whatever reason, Patrick Mahomes has Lamar Jackson's number right now. And in order for the Baltimore Ravens to have any chance at beating the Kansas City Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take Lamar Jackson having to beat Patrick Mahomes in a playoff matchup for that to have to happen. They need Lamar Jackson to become a better passer. He has to be a better passer, you know, throwing the ball down the field 
more consistent for the Baltimore Ravens than any chance at beating the Kansas City Chiefs. The road to the Super Bowl goes through Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. If Lamar Jackson doesn't become a better passer, the Baltimore Ravens will not win an NFL Super Bowl this year or for future seasons to come because Patrick Mahomes ain't going nowhere. He's going to be around for a long time. He's definitely going to be around for a long time, and that's definitely the team to beat in the AFC. And Patrick Mahomes, he already established one of the one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But Lamar Jackson, he's still building that name up, that best reputation, because you don't, you not, we don't trust, we don't really trust him a lot because he doesn't pass the ball enough. Like you just said, he only averaged 170 yards against the Chiefs. That's not, that's not good. That's not good, Trey. I no. feel like. I feel like this is a quarterback-driven league, and the the, uh, the league wants the quarterback to succeed, like, ASAP. And for him only throwing 170 yards a game against the, uh, a top-15 defense in the Kansas City team, well, who, who actually looked like a top-five defense against him, like, that's a big problem right there. That's a big problem right there that John Harbaugh has to fix because the Lamar Jackson is very talented. He's very athletic. He's gifted. He's a gifted player. He, we know what he can do with the ball. He, we know what he can do with his feet. I think for John Harbaugh, he he didn't he didn't neutralize the passing as much he, he as he did with the running game. He, he he made the running game so committed that they got three headed running back plus Lamar Jackson that can run down you all game. But in the yeah. situation that you don't need some passes though. He, he he lacks a number one a number one receiver, and I think that's hurting his career so far because he don't have a number one receiver that can catch him. But I, I I understand what you're saying that he doesn't have a number one receiver. But despite him not having a number one receiver, we still should be able to see whether or not he can throw the ball down the field consistently for the Ravens. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think him having a number one receiver has anything to do with that. I think that's something that Lamar Jackson has to improve on himself as a player. Now, you can make an argument that John Harbaugh and that Ravens organization need to do a better job at selecting receivers and giving him a better supporting cast, you know, for players to throw the ball to. But I think that's a separate conversation than talking about whether or not he's developed as a passer. See, my thing is right now, I got three quarterbacks I would take over Lamar Jackson right now. Only three. Aaron Rodgers, we've seen what he's done with the Packers so far this season, Clarence. So far in the season, the Packers offense has put up 122 points the first three weeks of the season. So Aaron Rodgers is playing at a historic rate right now for the Packers. Packers. And he's looking, say it again. I think that's a record, is it? For like it's a record, Packers. yes. He's looking real good in that Matt LaFleur system. You had me rocking my Green Bay Packers gear on Monday show because you know I was happy about it and excited. We've seen Russell Wilson so far in the season. 14 touchdowns, one interception. He should have 15 touchdowns if it wasn't for DK Metcalf playing around before he got to the end zone. You know, he should. Russell Wilson should have 15 touchdowns. And I think Russell Wilson completing like 77% of his passes. We know Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL, you know, when he played at a high level. He just won an NBA, NFL, rather, Super Bowl championship last season, won an NFL MVP in 2018. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. Right now, they are better throwers of the football than Lamar Jackson is. That's the difference in Lamar Jackson being in that top three quarterback conversation with Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball consistently as a passer yet to be mentioned with those three players I just named. Yeah. It's just that simple. It's yeah. that simple. 
I think I think for this season right here, like you have to like he doesn't throw the ball. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He only had like six interceptions last year, and he doesn't he doesn't call, he doesn't like like cause a lot of turnovers. But he has to get comfortable in the passing game in order for him to be successful in this league. Yeah, he does, man. And I was excited to watch this game, Clarence. I had my popcorn ready. You know, I was excited. I was excited, man. I was like, oh, man, we got Monday Night Football. Patrick Mahomes going up against Lamar Jackson. I'm excited for it. And there wasn't no NBA games on the schedule on Monday night. So I'm like, oh, I get to watch this game from start to finish. Watch these, these two powerhouse teams in the AFC go up against each other. And it was a complete letdown. As an NFL fan, it was a letdown, Clarence. Like, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs were running away with that game at one point. I know the score ending up being 34 to 20, but this game honestly was won by the Kansas City Chiefs by at least three or four touchdowns. I mean, sometimes you know the NFL teams that give you a touchdown late in the game. It was then the score was 34-20. Honestly, this game, the, the rate the, the Chiefs won this game by minimal 24 points. I mean, it was they won by 14, but damn it, it was really 24. Like they had kind of, they had kind of played prevent defense. You know, in the fourth quarter, Lamar finally put a touchdown on the board. But I just think overall, man, he got a long way to go. He got to improve on his passing. But one more question on this topic. Is the Kansas City Chiefs still the favorites in the AFC? I think so. I think so. That's the team to beat. And I was looking at their schedules. The teams that that, that can challenge them for that AFC crown, it, it can be the Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the Steelers are not on their on their schedule, but I'm just naming teams that that's competitive in the AFC that can give them a run for their money. I think it would be the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers, even Baltimore Ravens. That I still believe that they can run for their money. The Tennessee Titans, the Houston Texans, if they can get it all together. But I think the uh, Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs, they're they're the favorite of this in the AFC. That's the team to beat. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, you have to beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. Like, yeah, no yeah, I agree with you. I'm looking at their schedule right now, Clarence. Looks like next week they got the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders. They got the Raiders traveling to Kansas City. I think that's a win. You know, I like the way John Gruden and Derek Carr has been playing so far this season. They did come up short against Cam Newton and the Patriots last week. But I like the way the Raiders have been, the Raiders have been playing so far this season. Then they got the Broncos in Denver. That's the win because they won three on the season. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a win for the Chiefs. But then they got the Panthers. I don't see Teddy Bridgewater being able to outduel Patrick Mahomes. I got the Chiefs in that one. So they'll be, they'll be, you know, what is what is it? They 3-0 right now. So they'll be what 6-0 before they get to the Bucks. They got the Bucks November 29th. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. I'm going ahead. They, they, got, the, they got the they got the they got the Patriots. I'm sorry. They got the Patriots October the 4th. That's the next possible loss. And I think they can beat the Patriots, but that's a possible loss. So they could possibly be 6-0 you know, heading into that matchup with Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. But I do think they're the favorites so far in the AFC because, you know, until they're, they get beat, you have to say they're the favorites in the AFC, and they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. And until someone knocks them off that throne, they're the team to beat, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think I just think they're, they're too dominant. And they just added Clyde Edwards-Hillier. He's, he's one of those running backs that's very strong, but he's so small, but he's strong as ever. And he fits perfectly with this Chiefs offense because he gives them he gives them a, a reliable runner. And once you give them a reliable runner, like it, it opens up your play, opens up the playbook even more for you. 
Chiefs defense, like this Chiefs defense is on fire, man. I just think I just think that they're the team to beat, and the closest team that can possibly give them a run for their money, honestly, is probably the Buffalo Bills, not even the Buffalo Bills. It's probably the Pittsburgh Steelers because they're one of the best defense in the league because they create a lot of pressure. They've been blitzed 64% of their time. That's the most in the NFL. And Mahomes, he doesn't really do well in the pressure when he gets pressure a lot. So if you keep putting more constant pressure on him, you can honestly beat him. But until then, he's the face of the AFC, man. Yeah, I, I still got my questions, Clarence, about that Kansas City Chiefs defense. But guess what? When you have the luxury of having Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you can kind of right. be lackaday. You can kind of be a little bit lackadaisical. Dare I say? Dare I say on defense, you can kind of, you know, take some chances, take some risk because you know you got Patrick Mahomes and that offense that's going to put up at least thirty plus. <laughs> that that offense is going to score at least thirty plus per game. So as a defense, if you're if you're Steve Spagnola, you can take some risk and try to create some turnovers so you can get the ball back for Patrick Mahomes and your offense. So when you have that luxury, your defense can take some chances. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs, because they have that offense, you know, that high-powered offense, I think their defense is going to take the entire season to get into a rhythm. You know what I mean? So that way when the playoff time comes around, they'll be playing at a high level so they can go on another Super Bowl run. So they have the luxury because they have such a great high-powered offense of just kind of taking their time and getting into a rhythm defensively before they really want to have to amp it up, you know, once we get the playoff time. But let's move on, Claire. Let's get back to the association. As the Los Angeles Clippers and Doc Rivers have parted ways, he has Doc Rivers has stepped down as coach of the L.A. Clippers, according to Clippers owner Jeremy Steve Ballmer. The two came, the two came together. As a, quote, mutual decision, over the last seven years, coaching the L.A. Clippers, Doc Rivers has posted a 356-208 and record, winning 63% of his games, which is the fifth best record in the NBA. He also was the only coach to blow a 3-1 series three times with three different teams. His 943 wins ranked 11th all-time by a head coach. So, Clarence, what was your reaction when you heard the news that Doc Rivers and the Clippers were parting ways? Can I tell you something? I was like, what? Doc Rivers? Doc Rivers just got, he's leaving? He's stepping down for the Clippers? And I'm like, I ain't gonna lie though, Troy. I was ecstatic. I'm like, Doc Rivers? Really? Yeah. Like, I ain't believe it or not, Doc Rivers is a great coach. He's a great coach. And he, he, he's, he's one of those coaches that he wants to see you succeed. He wants his player to be better and over the time, but this, this right here is like they were setting the tone, like we're moving in a whole new direction. We we were we're like we're in this point where we're we feel like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is more valued than you, Doc. And you couldn't basically lead us over the hump. You couldn't lead the Clippers to their first ever conference finals. They never ever been in. And it's it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous that, you know. They have to make the decision to like, you know, cut ties together. But I think for this Clippers, it, this is a new, this is a new force that they're 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 coming up with. And Doc Rivers, though, he influenced that Clippers team a lot. And it, it was just crazy to me that he he stepped down from this. And it, it, it actually made me wonder, question like, what's next for the Los Angeles Clippers? Who was the next coach for them? Because I just seen, I just can't remember Doc Rivers' face right there for the Clippers for seven years. And honestly, 
Like it was a shock. It was a shocker to me because he's a he's a great coach, and I wouldn't expect him to step down, regardless of the the three one blow against the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I thought it was kind of unfortunate that Doc Rivers and the Clippers parted ways because of this standpoint. To be honest, Clarence, I don't think the Clippers wanted to play in the bubble to begin with. I just never really felt like they really wanted to be there. You know, you know, you had Kawhi Leonard, you know, getting to the bubble late. He didn't, he didn't join the Clippers, you know, until after about a week or two of being in the bubble, I believe. Like he didn't go there there right away when it first started, you know. So I, I and then you look at Montrez Harrell, you know, the, the the tragedy, you know, and the tragedy passing of his grandmother. He was dealing with that tough situation. So once he returned back to the bubble, he wasn't the same. You know, you had Sweet Lou, you know, going to Atlanta, going to Magic City, you know, getting some of those wings from Magic City. And Clarence, those wings, those wings are those wings are good. And I will admit, when you go to Atlanta, you can get distracted if you're in Magic City, okay? Not just because of the wings either, my brother. But I just think, I just think, I just think the Clippers, they weren't never really committed to the bubble. Even Patrick Beverly, I think he was in and out of the bubble. Um, I think I think uh, Shamit, he was in and out of the bubble. Like I just think this team wasn't committed to the NBA playoffs in the bubble. And if you remember, Clarence, once the players decided not to play and they were voting on whether or not they wanted to continue the NBA playoffs because of all the all the racial injustices that we were dealing with and the police shooting, you know, in Kenosha that we were dealing with, you remember the two teams that voted not to play it was the Lakers and the other was the Clippers. The Clippers were ready to go home. I don't believe they ever were really committed to playing in the bubble. So I believe the team had some issues, you know, as a team, not necessarily a coaching issue, but a team. I do understand that so far in his coaching career, being the Clippers coach, Doc Rivers hasn't led the Clippers to the Western Conference Finals just yet. And he's blown, you know, two, three, three, one leagues. He had CP3 and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. He wasn't able to get that team over the hump. And now he has this Clipper team. Because of the bubble situation, though, I believe he should have got another chance to coach his team next year. Now, let's say we didn't have the pandemic and the, the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead, you know, just in regular circumstances, and we had the regular NBA playoffs. I would have had no issue with Steve Ballmer and the Clippers wanting to move on from Doc Rivers. I believe because of the circumstances that the Clippers were dealing with and because they weren't really committed to playing in the bubble to begin with, I believe Doc Rivers should have gotten one more opportunity to coach this team next season. Like, that's just how I feel about it. I think it was kind of unfortunate, but when you blow a 3-1 lead and you're expected, you know, to, to win the NBA championship and at least get to the Western Conference Finals and compete against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the Lakers, I believe you have these, you know, you know, reactions from your owner. Steve Ballmer wants to win, okay? He has a lot of money. This is a, a billionaire. He wants to win. They built this team to win now. That's why I had a problem with Paul George in the post-game press conference talking about this wasn't championship or bust. Paul George, you're lying. Quit lying to the American people, sir. This was a championship or bust season. That's why Doc Rivers just got canned, and he's not going to be returning as head coach for the Clippers. But overall, I think Doc Rivers, you know, got a raw deal here, Clarence, and I think he should have got one more opportunity to coach, coach the Clippers. One more question for you. Who do you believe is the next L.A. Clippers coach? 
I think it, I, I, I truly believe I think it can be Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue is is the uh, next one, in my opinion, is is next up for the Los Angeles Clippers because he's he's already been in Sitka Coast. He knows the system. He knows the play from Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I think it was, it's Tyron Lue, man. I think he's the, like the focal point and the main coach for this job. You know what? I, I understand where you're coming from saying Ty Lue. But I think, man, if it was Ty Lue, if they picking Ty Lue to choose to coach this team, I think that could be looked at if, from Doc Rivers' perspective as Ty Lue kind of backstabbing Doc Rivers. Can you look at it that way? Because Ty Lue, Ty Lue is on that Ty Lue is on that coaching staff already. And if I was Doc, I would feel like, well, damn, did y'all already have this in place? Like, did y'all already have this plan? Like, was this something that y'all were already planning before the season even ended? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would feel that way if I was Doc Rivers. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's how I would feel. And I also heard there are reports that Ty Lue won't take this job clearance because of what I just talked about. They said Ty Lue has so much respect for Doc Rivers, he wouldn't want to take this job because he wouldn't want it to come across as he's trying to backstab Doc Rivers and inch his way into being in that head coaching chair. So that's something to keep an eye on. You know, for me, the next coach the Clippers to pick up, I believe it's Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson should get an opportunity to coach this Clippers team. I think Mark Jackson would command respect from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and he would make sure that Kawhi Leonard, you need to set the example. No more, you know, of this low management stuff. It's time to play basketball. You are a superstar in this league, and you need to lead by example, Kawhi. We need you playing 82 games a night. We, you ain't got to play an entire 48 minutes. We can cut your minutes back like the Lakers did with LeBron, but you need to suit up at least. You need to lead by example. I think Mark Jackson is the kind of coach that would demand respect from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard immediately if he took this job. I would say it's Mark Jackson that should be the head coaching candidate, you know, for the Clippers moving forward. That's my opinion, Mark Jackson. I like that. Hey, so, hey, look, we got one more topic, man, before we head out. We have the Thursday night football matchup. I just want to be real quick. I forgot about it. I forgot who about it. Who wins? Who wins? I'm, okay, look, let me tell you something. You know I'm not picking Adam Gase. I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos. I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos to beat the New York Jets on Thursday night football. I'll say Broncos 21, Jets 13. I'm damn sure not picking no Adam Gase. I'm taking, I'm taking Adam Gase. This is his moment. If, that, if he doesn't win against a third-string quarterback, and believe it or not, the Denver Broncos lead the league and enter reserve money. They stay there. They're blowing like $53 million right there. So if Adam Gase doesn't beat this, this beat-up Broncos team, he definitely got to go after the game. But I got the, I got the Jets winning a close one. 17 and 14. They win from a field goal stamp. 17, 14, that's what you got? Yeah. Okay. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Real quick. Tonight, I got the Miami Heat stealing game one. Clarence got the Lakers winning. Clarence got the Lakers in six. I got the Lakers in six. Clarence NBA MVP is LeBron. My NBA MVP is Anthony Davis. Tomorrow night. Clarence got the Jets 17-14 over the Broncos. I got the Broncos 21-13. See you Friday, Clarence. We're going to do our week four NFL predictions. Oh, yeah. Talk- Packers? We definitely got to discuss that. Man. We're going to do all that. And we're going to talk about game one of the NBA Finals. I'll see you on Friday, bro. See you, man. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.